Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Come on. There we go. Axel, no. Stop yelling. I'm recording. Lower your voice. Welcome to Taboos, the podcast where we talk about taboo culture with foul mouths and drinks in motherfucking hand. Hey, I'm your host, Celeste, trying on a new format for size, a little something, trying, just trying things, seeing what works for us now that we have shifted to our new structure. So I'm going to throw out our socials up front just to really make sure that that's taken care of. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TaboosThePod. We are just Taboos on Facebook. And you can always shoot us an email at TaboosPodcast at gmail.com. We love getting suggestions for taboo topics, anything that society might deem kind of meh or ooh or ooh or like... (laughs) Come on, you guys, the whole spectrum of shit that society says that we shouldn't talk about, let's fucking talk about it, okay? Shoot us an email, send us your suggestions, and if you'd be interested in speaking specifically as a subject matter expert on a taboo topic, holla at ya, girl. Okay, great. Thank you for letting me do that. Let me know if it fit well. Let me know if it worked for all of us. One size fits all is really what we're going for. And I'm going to start off this episode. There's a potential that we might have a guest for this episode. So I'm going to leave this in here in the event that he hits me up. But in case he doesn't, here we fucking go. Today I'm drinking a beverage by Indeed Brewing Company called Flavor Wave IPA. And it's like the cutest little coastal town and it's all pastel. And then there's like waves inside of the little town and it kind of looks like that town maybe made of cardboard. I can't be sure but it was a dope can and it's really fucking delicious. Um let's see if there's anything on here. Juicy, sticky, pineapple. Those are great suggest adjectives for this beer. 6.2% alcohol. Ooh getting litty today. Yeah that's what I got. It's um let's just let's just try. Oh god that's so fucking good. So fucking delicious i can't even stand it okay but back to us hi missed you so glad you're here if you're new i'm just always affectionate like this so i hope that that's okay (laughs) if it's not though too bad before we start this episode i would love to introduce y'all to today's topic because it is one that i am personally incredibly fucking passionate about and a lot of people don't really understand that about me or don't really think that i'm as passionate about it as i really am so i really needed to make this episode for several reasons but the primary being my soul needs this episode to exist so why would i deprive my soul of what it fucking wants 
would I do that? That's so silly. So here we go. Today's episode is going to be our very first biography episode, talking about the one and only legendary, brilliant, comedic genius, humanitarian and man of the people, Dave Chappelle, ladies and gentlemen. I have a disclaimer that's really important to me to share with you in this one, which you're probably like, it's a biography episode, Celeste. Why is there a disclaimer? Mind your business. There's a fucking disclaimer. It's what we do here. So today's disclaimer is, I am just a woman whose mind, heart, and life has sincerely been positively impacted by the brilliance that is Dave Chappelle. And today is annual for me Dave Chappelle Day. And celebrate, we fucking must. Because if there is any voice of reason that this country should tune into, it's Dave Chappelle. And don't worry, I'll tell you why. But for real, it is Dave Chappelle. So hat off and hand over my heart as I say the most sincere thank you to Mr. Chappelle for simply being a good fucking human being who brings joy to people, brings humor, and brings controversial matters to light all at the same time simply because he can and people listen because he just is Dave. So if you have a beverage in, or a blunt in hand or a whatever fucking hand, let's raise a glass to Mr. Chappelle. Please and thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Salut. So for anybody who's not actually familiar with Dave outside of being, we're going to start with his early life. According to biography.com, David Kyrie Weber Chappelle was born on August 24th, 1973 in Washington, D.C. In fact, his birthday was two days ago. Happy birthday, bro. He is the youngest of three kids. Both of his parents were actually professors, which I really think is so fucking cool. His dad taught at Anatoc College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. And his mom taught at Howard University as well as the University of Maryland. Shout out to Mama Chappelle. That's bad as hell. Ooh, I didn't even mean to rhyme, but, you know, it happened. His parents separated when he was six, and he began spending time between both households. Dave's early inspirations came from comedians like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, and Allie, who helped me get some of this research, wrote... Quote, and piece of shit whose sexual assault conviction recently got overturned, end quote, Bill Cosby. He actually began his stand-up career while he was still in high school at the Duke Ellington School of Arts in Washington, D.C. Quote, because he was underage, his mother often had to accompany him to clubs as a legal guardian. Even at an early age, Chappelle's brand of humor was controversial, leading to frequent heckling. He was even booed off stage during an amateur night at New York's famous Apollo fucking theater. Oh my fucking God. What? Okay, the fact that he was even on that stage as like a young man is so impressive. Okay, so impressive. That needs to be said. Fun fact, actually, he brought his grandma with him to his first show and he said, <laughs> cutest fucking thing, something to the effect of, now grandma, I need you to know that I'm going to say some things up there that you've never heard me say before. And she hyped him up with, knock him fucking dead. Like, come on, you guys, like, that is such a fantastic relationship for a man to have with his grandmother. That is a good fucking man. He also openly and proudly talks about his grandparents' conversion to Islam, which is a super incredible listen. I highly, highly recommend it. His career took off as a comedian, which fast-tracked a baby-faced Dave into film and television. These 
are his tales. Dun dun. He had a quick stint with his first TV show titled Buddies, a Disney-produced ABC series. Dear Disney, please don't sue us. Thanks. Love you. Which was a show about two friends living in New York City when he was only 18 years old. What? What? Unfortunately, the show was canceled after only five episodes. I was actually like hella curious, so I did some snooping. The cast was a dead 50-50 split of black to white cast members, which... I could not fucking ignore, especially because it was 1995. I'm not saying racism is why the show wasn't a smashing hit, but you guys, I wouldn't be my little white ally self if I didn't expose all the stains on the white sheet that is the media in our country, especially in the 90s. Hey! 90s baby, checking in. I can say that shit. I was, I'm just kidding. I was only alive for like eight of those 10 years. So here we go. The show aired on March 5th, 1996 and was canceled on April 3rd. <laughs> Sad. Only five of the 13 episodes produced had aired. Ouch. Dave himself wasn't proud of the involvement that he had with the show in retrospect, which I would like to submit to the court of public opinion as evidence that I am correct in my anti-racist assumptions, along with the quote, it was a bad show. It was bad. I mean, when we were doing it, I could tell this was not going to work, end quote, from Dave himself. His first film debut was in 1993 in Robin Hood Men in Tights, to which Allie noted, how in the fuck did I not know this? I didn't realize he was in this. Here is a picture for you, end quote. And um, so that was me telling you about that because this is an audio podcast and, and sometimes we forget that. <laughs> Also, I've never seen Robin Hood Men in Tights, so now that's going to have to happen. He also was the youngest comedian in the HBO special Comedic Relief 6 at the age of 21. I also have not seen this. In 1998, he went on to star in Half-Baked, as well as appearing in Woo and You've Got Mail. Ooh, I even, I didn't even mean to say it like the AOL voice, and yet it just instinctively fucking happened. Shout out to every Gen Z person who literally just said, what is she talking about? Unfortunately, this is also the year that his father died, which caused him to take a step back and really reevaluate his life. In 2000, he filmed the popular comedy special, Killing Them Softly. 2002 came the movie Undercover Brother. 2003 was his big push into the spotlight. He launched Chappelle's show on Comedy Central Network. It was extremely popular for being controversial and pushing the envelope while addressing race relationships and also featuring musical guests. All of the attention that Dave had gotten on this platform from notable TV personalities such as Oprah and James Lipton caused Comedy Central to offer our guy a massive fucking deal after the show had only been on the air for two years to the tune of an additional 50 million dollars for an additional two years okay in 2005 game changer as dave quote abruptly walked away from it on the eve of its third season end quote that is an intense fucking moment let me tell you he was unhappy with the direction that the show had taken and the tone that the executives wanted him to continue in, which we're going to plug into my anti-racist little whitewashing translator app 
To have it read back, he didn't want to be their token black man to perpetuate racial stereotypes rather than to make a point with his comedy. Again, just a little free translation service that we here at Taboos offer. Subscribe and follow for more translations. After he walked off set, he left the U.S. and visited South Africa. And upon his return, he lived a much more reclusive life in Yellowstone, Ohio, which is actually where he still lives today. Public appearances were rare as fuck for our dude after this point. Until 2006, when Dave Chappelle's Block Party, a documentary, was released. And then, bro dipped like ranch for close to a decade. What? Okay. 2013 rolls around. And Dave popped up at the Comedy Cellar in New York City to the shock of many and began touring as a stand-up comedian once again, as well as delivering a series of acclaimed Netflix specials, all of which are fantastic. I have binged watched all of them. Yes, thank you, Netflix, for upping your prices. In 2018, at the Grammys, he won Best Comedy Album for The Age of Spin, as well as Deep in the Heart of Texas. In 2019, the Kennedy Center named Dave the winner of the Distinguished Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, which is actually also a a documentary that it's a documentary, but it's not. It's like a live Grammy show, but it's of specifically this award ceremony. And it's beautiful it's fucking brilliant it's just a whole room of people there to celebrate dave and how he's a good person and how he helped all these people and bring them up in a world that doesn't allow growth for people of color what a fantastic fucking person and it's not just people of color that he helps it's really not but specifically he is so eager to help people who don't have a shot that's what it is And I think that's fucking amazing. I think it's amazing that this man came up from brilliance and books and was the baby of the family and just is the most humble dude I've ever seen, whose genius just echoes through his comedy. I I just really can't say enough. I just can't say enough. And the Mark Twain documentary really is that. But from people who personally know him, the people he has personally touched the hearts and lives of, and to see the way that the people who love Dave personally talk about him is so inspiring to me as a person. I aspire to be that level of good human. I aspire to have a room full of people say good things about me to that level simply because I was authentically myself. Dave Chappelle is my fucking idol, you guys, for that reason, specifically. Also, a few months later, the Flicks dropped another special called Sticks and Stones, which he then won another Grammy for. More recently, he returned to the public eye when showing support for the presidential candidate and the Taboos team forever vote of Andrew fucking Yang. Yang, gang, gang! as well as his live set titled 8 Minutes 46 Seconds, discussing George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. But Dave Chappelle's heart beats the same way that mine does, and I knew that to be true while listening to 846 the very first time. Shout out to my friend Bob Pants, who has his own podcast, a fantastic and hilarious movie review and commentary podcast called The Analysis Podcast. Bob is fucking hilarious. I mean, you guys, seriously, one of the best improv actors I have ever seen in my entire life. He energizes 
thousands of people with like six sentences sometimes and it's amazing he is a fucking miraculous human being and i am so blessed to have met him to have worked with him and to call him my friend as well as extra special shout out to our guy bob pants because he was one of the first people to encourage me on this path of this show in starting it he was the first person i was like bro i have this idea and he was like fucking do it bro and i was like bro and then that was that and here we are so thank you to bob seriously for everything i appreciate you always but anyway i was making the five-hour drive home from my long distance ex-boyfriend's house a few months after george floyd's murder for anyone who is new here i really need y'all to hear me say george floyd saved my life i thought it was a typical sunday afternoon with a little mundane scrolling the day after my birthday, when I found a video of a man on the ground crying with an officer's knee on his neck, the first video of a police interaction with a black person where my brain truly recognized, it doesn't matter what the other side of this story is. This is wrong. This must stop. Please, for the love of God, make this stop. I started screaming at my phone, begging for the officer to get up thinking maybe if I just screamed a little louder, the woman recording the video would hear me, praying my voice would transmit through the towers and cell phones that separated us, forcing her to scream too. But she never fucking did. I sobbed as this man called out for his mother, wishing every fiber of my being to teleport myself to be there with him, just so he wasn't alone in that moment. An intense rage-filled urge came over me, making me want to shove those fucking cops surrounding him and on top of him, no matter what consequence it meant for me. I have no words to describe the feelings I had in the moments the whole world was watching George Floyd die. A grown man with kind brown eyes that were filled with tears, begging for his life. Well, I found myself begging with him. The thousands of tears that I have cried for George Floyd soaked into my soul and have changed my DNA. Changed everything I knew about my world, my life, myself to that point. And I spent 27 years in a world without color. On May 25th, 2020, a dying man gave me the gift of seeing color. And in that, he helped me find my purpose. That is the day that George saved my life. May he forever rest in peace with my eternal gratitude. With that said, it feels a little personal when white people try to frame him up as this cruel, evil monster who never suffered the consequences of his actions. He paid his dues. He cohabitated every day with those demons, and he had to live with that. Did he really need to die for it, too? It feels a little personal when I wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and somebody asks me if my kids are black. It feels a little personal when black people assume that I am out here screaming I can't breathe because of black men or black women or because I am not afraid to say that both are so fucking beautiful. It feels a little personal when they don't realize that I am screaming I can't breathe because the density of racism in the air is actually suffocating me feels a little personal when people think that I'm out here trying to have the black community embrace me. And I don't need black people to embrace me. I need my people to embrace the black community. It feels a little personal when I go to a peaceful protest with the intention of standing up for what's right because it's a matter of basic human rights. But I'm not stupid. 
I know change is messy and hard and dangerous and I also know I have an allergy to capsaicin. So the number on my arm is for either my only phone call or in the event someone finds my body and it will connect you to the only person who knows shit went sideways and how to contain it. Get my daughter, get my lawyer, and get my mother. And because of that, it feels a little fucking personal when people question my authenticity to this movement, to this group of people, to our society, and to our species as human beings. It feels a little personal when I interact with white allies who are really just performative. Just like it feels a little personal when I experience white allies who are treated as though they are performative. It feels a little personal when it's forced down my throat that I'll never understand the pain and suffering of the black community because of my privilege. I know that. My privilege is innate. I don't want it, but I have it, and I can't change that. No differently than a black person cannot change the color of their skin. All I can really do is use the gift that George Floyd gave me when he saved my life that day. And to me, that's worth it. Because from where I'm standing, there is nothing more personal than using the gift he bestowed upon me to be a part of the solution, to create change, not only in the laws, but in people, to help see the whole world in color. And like, just let me ask, what if on that day, George Floyd didn't just save my life? What if he actually saved yours too? But also, hi, I live in Wisconsin, tan white girl proudly checking in. And I just really do need to emphasize, you guys, that being black is something I'll never understand. That oppression and degradation to a human purely based on the color of their skin, because in my mind, honest to fucking God, that should not matter. A human is a human until they aren't in my world. Since I was a wee fucking sprout, that is how I have always operated. But part of that is because nobody ever explained to me that color matters. Of course it does. Of course it fucking matters. In terms of vision, colorblindness is something we always try to correct in humans. And in people, our color is what makes us unique. It's what makes us remarkable. That we all have the same exact organs, right? Anatomically, we are all exactly the same. A brain is a brain is a brain. Pretty basic. But skin, our largest organ, comes in varying colors. Like how fucking incredible. Ah! I think that's amazing. Sorry about my small science gasm. But here in Wisconsin, we have plenty of Karen I know who love the full spectrum rainbow. Not because they belong in the alphabet mafia, but because they're on my news feed every time it fucking rains. I recognize that we all try to capture and admire and share the beauty that is red, orange, yellow, green, blue. Don't forget there's purple too. Again, dear Disney, please don't sue us. We only have $12. Thank you for your kindness and generosity. But I really just have to ask, why is it that we all appreciate the vibrancy of that natural art and yet we don't want and refuse to talk about skin that way? That just, that blows my fucking mind. So I hit the streets of Wisconsin communities as soon as I fucking could, little naive me. And please hear me say that I have had black people I've loved in my life, my whole life. That's not new to me, but I truly never knew how bad it was, which is called ignorance. And it is hate's introverted little brother, just so you know. Shout out to our white privilege episode if this is your awakening to this truth. 
And you're welcome for sparing you the pain of your eyes being pried open by a dying man in the streets of Minnesota while millions of eyes locked on his jaws simultaneously dropped and the collective shatter of a heartbreak was so loud it ripped your soul in half because that's a pain that I would only wish on racists and homophobes and pedophiles. And I say that with all the disrespect I can muster. George Floyd is my rainbow, in a way, like a nocturnal one. And honestly, shout out to the love of my life and number one hall pass, Mr. Marcus Hobson, for that reference, as well as its applicability. Love you so much. Call me fangirl out. Because in my pursuit of protecting George Floyd on that day, screaming at my phone, my body set into action the pursuit of protecting the people I love instinctively. And in this instance, the people I love is the black community, which is a really dangerous and unpopular opinion in this state, especially as a white woman. But it is my moral duty responsibility and purpose to stand that ground even if it means to stand it by myself to use all of my privilege to speak to all the managers and to call anyone but the cops when i experience racism i have risked my life for this stance more than once in fact stupidly <laughs> impulsively but always proudly and the people around me, whether they love me, hate me, I don't fucking know, maybe they want to date me, what the fuck ever people think. I literally don't give a fuck. But people think I'm broken for being this way. Like, Allie can't wrap her head around the bar fight that I caused in bumfuck Michigan, about an hour south of the Canadian border and just a few miles west of Meth Lab USA. You know, you know the place, right? Yeah, okay. We've all been there. Stopped at a bar after a day of hiking and recharging and living my best fucking life for my 29th birthday, the one year anniversary of George's murder. I got a bite. I was doing my shadow work at the table and old Sammy boy about 10 feet from me drops the N word. And subsequently, there are now 15 real white people in Shingleton, Michigan, who know superior genetics are not something to be proud of. And it is not safe to use the N word just because you're in the presence of other white people. Yes, indeed. They do know that now. Or like the time that I 100% was about to go with a group of people I cared about to Kakana, Wisconsin. The night that Kyle Rittenhouse murdered and mutilated people in our fucking streets. Wisconsin fucking streets. While I'm watching lives of people that I love being tear gassed and shot with rubber bullets and forced to the ground. Even having a gun raised to the face of a black man that I have been proud to march beside. To have in my home. To spend time with my daughter who makes dad jokes and drinks too much tequila and loves his nieces like they were his own fucking children. He was there as a photographer at this protest. He's wearing his gear and his identification. His shirt fucking says photographer. There's no mistaking what he's fucking doing with this camera in his hands. And yet there's a gun in his face. As my other friends were on the ground, face down, hands and legs spread. And I hear the cops screaming, no one fucking move. And my guy Mo is screaming back, hands up, don't shoot. And I'm confident that my friend is going to be the next person that I see die on my phone. They were released, the group moved on, and I ran recon on the scanners for our operation from home the rest of the night. It was a long fucking night. 
Wondering if every 6'6 black man in a hoodie was my friend Bakari, who's a gentle fucking giant and who I love like a brother. I, to this day, cannot hear a police scanner and not see the destructions in the streets of my state, in my home. And on August 26th last year, for the first time, there was someone in my life, in my whole life, who said the words, quote, I want to give a shout out to all the young people doing this amazing work protesting. I'm very proud of you, end quote. And it dawned on me, I, at 28 years old, had never heard another, like, adult, right? Celebrity figure, anyone say that they were proud of us. Proud of me for all the hard work that we've done to make sure that no one forgets to say their names, to take a stand, to defend what's right simply because it is, to see in full spectrum color, to see the truth, to see the corruption. And for the first time, I realized that that needed to be created. At the time, I wasn't in a place nor had the tools to do so, but hey, look, now here we are celebrating this day. 365 days later, to be exact. And I am here to say that I am proud of every person who awakened between then and now. Every person who took to the streets, to the dinner table, to the polls, and to the riots, to their classrooms, to their families. Everyone who has taken a stand. I am so fucking proud of us. For every mile, for every sign, for every minute screaming for something as simple as quote unquote, please don't kill us in our streets. Now, okay, before anybody gets butthurt and says some back the blue shit, please sit down. I am speaking. I don't hate cops. I hate police. Check out our qualified immunity episode if you're confused or want proof. I am disgustingly proud of that episode for exposing the full spectrum of color, truth, and perspective as we discuss a topic that we as citizens of this country should all be worried about. Good cops included. But real talk, blue lives is not a thing. It just isn't. It is not a thing. I'm sorry if that offends you. It's a counter argument for black lives, which is a thing, in fact. Times... 38.8 million individual quote-unquote things, okay? Being a police officer is a lifestyle of absolute choice. Being born black is an absolute chance of circumstance and beauty and cannot be changed. See the difference? Oh, I'm so glad we had this talk. Which brings me back to Dave and this video that the universe sent me that I am celebrating with you today. Yay! So 8 minutes, 46 seconds, 30 million views worth every single millisecond and every single sound bite. But should you choose to ignore me, which I assure you is not wise, ask my ex. (laughs) Funny, not funny. I have a few bullet points and quotes that I would like to share with y'all, if that's okay. On June 11th, 2020, Dave Chappelle hosted the first in-person outdoor seated event in America just for the sake of this conversation. The audience heavily masked and spaced well beyond social guidelines, and Dave marks this moment as a moment of history, which it was. He makes the jokes, rips on the people. He is just Dave, 
right? Red solo cup in hand. He just starts talking about his life experiences because that's what he does. He just speaks. And we all relate in some way or another because he's relatable. He burps into the mic. He is just 1000% authentically himself always, but especially this entire set. He opens with a story about an earthquake, his first earthquake, and how in the 35 seconds the earth shuddered beneath him while he found his weed phone and keys, he told himself not to scream because in the event that he lived, he would not have to face the embarrassment of screaming in that moment out of terror. He was certain he was going to die, absolutely certain, and he was terrified. Followed by, quote, This man kneeled on a man's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He called for his mother, his dead mother. I have only seen that once before in my life. My father on his deathbed called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood that that man knew he was going to die. And all of these people standing around recording, taking videos, and all these fucking police standing around with their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying? That you can kneel on a man's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of fucking God? That is what's happening right now. End quote. And to be very fucking clear, right now is past, present, and future if we don't change ourselves, our communities, our expectations of civil fucking servants, and our government. All of it must be knocked down, and we must start from scratch. Shout out to our preamble episode if you're not familiar with what the fuck I'm talking about. And you are not exempt from this fight, I assure you. But let me be clear, there are only two sides of this war, racists versus everybody else. And I'd like to offer this episode as a roll call for everybody else. We must be better. We must be educated. We must be united. We must let the voices of people of color who stand for people of color rise. And we must lower ours. Not all wars are won with violence and hatred. Some are won with understanding, perspective, a moral compass, maybe a blunt or six. Hash it all out and figure out who the real fucking enemies are. I don't fucking know. I just know that they simply cannot be identified by color. Candace Owens being a fantastic fucking example and entire proof of that. And for the record, Dave also hates Candace. She actually gets her own pussy jokes in the set and it's really fantastic. But he hates her really for what she represents. And just to surmise for you how he really feels, let me offer this quote. Candace Owens, that rotten bitch. Yep. <laughs> She's the worst. I cannot think of a worse way to make money. The most articulate idiot that I've ever seen in my fucking life. She is so articulate. She can tell you how fucking stupid she is precisely. End quote. And those really are my feelings too. But we need to talk about why, because that's important. And I don't think that, especially in the white community, people understand why. So here we go. It's important because Candace Owens and people of color like her are in fact traitors to their own race, literally. Now, 
I, I let's just hold on. Time out. I have been called a race trader. Hobby Lobby. Some random Thursday afternoon. Not by the cashier who was so nice to me prior to registering the giant gold glitter fist on my black t-shirt, but rather some fucking crusty white lady who approached me in the parking lot just to let me know that she and her KKK buddies would not be inviting me to their Christmas party this year because I betrayed my race. Hmm, sad. But now you guys, tan white girl checking in. I need you all to hear me say, I get asked all the time what I'm mixed with, primarily by my friends of color, who in all good intention ask because one, I'm a very weird little color palette, and two, they just can't seem to grasp that I'd ever have the moral code to be so unapologetically anti-racist unless I was in fact mixed, which is a compliment, please don't get me wrong, but it's also an insult rolled into one. My point being, this stranger approached me, tan white girl, in public because of a shirt I was damn proud to be wearing and called me a race traitor, assuming I'm white. Few things have offended me so, honestly. But hey, if it makes me a race traitor, okay, then I am very clearly in the wrong race and that's fine. Much like Candace Owens, a black woman who bats for the white man's team, who gets paid to betray, belittle, and berate the black community unless they bathe in the whitewash of the founding fathers and colonization. Shout out again to our preamble episode. And then I have to ask, who is the real fucking race traitor? But really, this is important because it, it is an aspect of allyship that no one talks about. Racism and colorism are not the same. They honestly aren't. And colorism will be a separate episode, don't you fucking doubt it. But if we're ever going to truly be better, we have to heal both. And it's my intention, not only with this episode, but with our existing content, as well as future content, to help be the cure for both. Because I can't sit around and wait. I can't wait for another young black boy to be mistaken for mythic masculinity and to be killed in the streets, in my fucking streets. I can't hold my breath while black women are still the most undervalued subset of our society. And we don't talk about that either. I mean, we do. I'm just kidding. We, Taboos, does in fact have an episode talking about it. Our Black Women Matter episode alone is a masterpiece. But it's just, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough. Because I can't wait for the clock to run out on an innocent child. Because someone saw them as a threat rather than divine creation. Because I can't bear the loss of George Floyd again, or Breonna Taylor, or Trayvon Martin, or, or, or. And why should we ever have to again? Which Dave Chappelle affirmed and validated for me, for me, as he spoke to me through that video a year ago today. The first time those words had ever been validated and affirmed for me. And I'm so fucking grateful. Which actually, honestly, brings us back to some more fun facts. Because I really want y'all to know how fucking cool this dude is. Not only how much he means to me. Because, because both are fucking real. So here are some random fun things that Allie Girl pulled together for us. She's the fucking best. The first note says, This is from FamousDetails.com. And I just thought that you'd want to know this bit. Because she knows me so well. Dave's zodiac sign is Virgo. He was born the Year of the Ox, but also shout out to Year of the Ox, which is an amazing fucking Korean rap group. Love them. Oh my God. One of the best fucking concerts we've ever been to. And his ruling planet is Mercury, 
which must be so great for him when retrograde comes around. <laughs> the rest of the notes that Allie Girl grabbed for us came from both uselessdaily.com as well as Wikipedia. So his parents were both politically active, and the family house was visited by notable individuals, including Pete Seeger and Johnny Hartman. The latter predicted that he would be a comedian, which is so fucking cool, and what an honor. He quickly made a name for himself on the New York comedy circuit, even performing in the city's parks. Whoopi Goldberg named him The Kid. Shout out to Whoopi, my girl! Yes! Sister Act Forever! Dave actually also converted to Islam in 1998. He told Time Magazine in May 2005, quote, I don't normally talk about my religion publicly because I don't want people to associate me and my flaws with this beautiful thing. And I believe it is beautiful if you learn it the right way. End quote. You guys, come on. I mean, seriously, last week, our entire episode about religion versus spirituality directly applies to this philosophy right here. Please go check out our Love Drug Dealer episode if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about. There's a very real difference between religion and spirituality. Neither are bad. Both have pros. Both have cons. Enjoy the journey. In 2017, Rolling Stone ranked him number nine in their 50 best stand-up comics of all time. I mean, at least he made top 10, but I very strongly disagree with nine. Nine? Nine seems a bit shallow for me. I think we could have gotten in the top five at least. Number one in my opinion, but I'm clearly biased. And if by this point y'all haven't figured out what a fantastic example of a human being Dave Chappelle is, I really just wanted to offer this last quote about his trip to South Africa after he stepped away from the Chappelle show. He said, quote, Coming here, I don't have the distractions of fame. It quiets the ego down. I'm interested in the kind of person I've got to become. I want to be well-rounded, and the industry is a place of extremes. I want to be well-balanced. I've got to check my intentions, man. End quote. That quote really resonates with me specifically in not only this episode, but in my spiritual journey as a whole, because that's true. That's all I want is to be well-rounded. But it's not just that I want to be well-rounded. I want to create well-rounded content that gets heard by well-rounded people that in turn helps re-round our society because we're not well-rounded. We're incredibly misshapen, and I can't stand that because I mostly really love this country, mostly, but I love humanity more. And if there was anyone to be celebrated today of all days that I believe embodies that as the people of the streets that he is so proud of, I again ask that we raise our glasses to Dave. Thank you for your recognition. And that was honestly the content that I really wanted to deliver to you guys today. So I am not sure if I colored too far outside of the lines or what. But you know what? It's my fucking show, so I get to do what I want. Hey! I love us. I love taboos. Part of our format is that we always talk about what we learned here today. So if you would like to let us know what you learned here, you certainly can reach out to us. Again, those socials are Twitter and Instagram at taboosthepod. We are just taboos on Facebook. And again, that email address is taboospodcast at gmail.com. I think the thing that I learned here today is that I'm either very courageous, very stupid, or have had a giant set of balls in a previous life. And honestly, all three is probably the right answer. (laughs) 
So that's what I learned with this content in this episode today, especially because Dave Chappelle is somebody that I have been following for a very long time and have been a fan of for a very, very long time. But I know that as a symbol in the white community, Dave means something different than what he does as a symbol in the black community. And again, tan white girl checking in, I need my community to understand. And if Dave is what helps us bridge that gap, offers that perspective, brings the funny and the sass and the twist and the blunts and all the things, and we can fucking learn something and move forward together. That's why I wanted to make this episode. And that is what I learned I had the fucking audacity to create, apparently. <laughs> all right, I'm just going to take another little, little sip of this now, a little liquid courage now that this shit's over. <sighs> Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. And I cannot fucking wait to catch you on the next one. As always, do you be taboos. <laughs>